0: You'll turn with me to Psalm 23. That's where we'll be this morning. Would you rather be a lion or a panda? (laughs) That was a question posed on a TV show I recently watched. Guy quickly responds, Gotta go, panda. To which the third party interjects, Are you mad? Pandas are fat and lazy and have pea stained fur. Lions are powerful and majestic and rule the jungle. What's black and white and red all over? A panda that gets anywhere near a lion. The answer is lion. If we were posed that question, I doubt many of us would say panda. And we're told that that's the answer, not her answer, not an answer. That's the answer. We, too, want to be powerful, majestic. We want to rule. Maybe we wouldn't use those words. It sounds a little bit presumptuous when I say it like that, doesn't it? cringe a little bit. But I think that's what's deep down in our hearts. We might call it independence. We might call it self-sufficiency. But it's the same thing. I want to be in charge. I want control. But if you live long enough, you'll realize that uh, you're not. You're not a lion. You're not in control. Maybe you're facing something like that in your life right now that's stripped you of this illusion of control. Maybe not. If not, that day will come. The question is, how have you or how will you respond to it? As Christians, um, we acknowledge our need for God. We profess our total dependence upon him, but do we actually trust him? Does that actually play out in our lives? Do we have any confidence that he will take care of us? Especially when life is hard. You're not a lion. You're not powerful. You're not majestic. You don't rule your life. In fact, you're not even a panda. No, you're a sheep. Helpless on your own. We don't really like to hear that, but that's the testimony of Scripture praise God for it. That's the testimony of our psalm today. Maybe you're fully aware of that. You've done everything right and yet your life is in shambles. Your body can be riddled with disease and you are more than aware that you don't rule your life. You're a sheep. But this psalm has good news. You might be a sheep, but you can have the powerful, the majestic king of the universe as your shepherd. And you can trust him. You can have confidence in him that he will take care of you. So let's hear Psalm 23 together. It's familiar probably to most of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we praise you and we thank you that you reveal yourself to us, that you show us who you are, that you show us that we can trust in you, we can have full confidence in you. Work in us this morning by your word and your spirit, that we would know you more deeply, we would desire to follow you more closely. That in whatever circumstances we're facing, we would rest secure in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're con- continuing on in our study of different psalms this morning. We're just kind of bouncing around. Um, and psalms are they're different songs that God's people would sing in worship together. Kind of the hymn book of Israel. And The psalm we're looking at this morning, probably the well, most well-known of all the psalms, is a psalm of confidence. It's a psalm of trust so as God's people sing it together it's meant to build us up it's meant to reinforce our confidence our trust in him that whatever we're facing when we face challenges when we face difficulties we're not knocked off course we don't jettison our faith that we're not left without hope but instead we're confident and we trust in our God Apart from the content, we see this idea um, at play itself and just the fact that Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22. If you know um, Psalm 22, that's what Jesus quotes when he's on the cross being crucified. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It goes from a psalm that cries out to God in the midst of this difficulty when enemies are all around being attacked to the psalm that expresses confidence that despite everything going on, the Lord will provide and protect. If you're working your way through the Psalms, too, there's also this shift in metaphor in the way we speak about God. So far in the Psalms, God has been, he's been a king. He's been a deliverer. He's been a rock. He's been a shield. Somewhat impersonal things. But now we get something a little more intimate, something more personal. For the first time in the Psalter, he's called a shepherd, He's not just any old shepherd, he's my shepherd. This is the only time in the Psalms that he's described this way. Every other time it's corporate for the flock. He's our shepherd, he's the shepherd of Israel, he's the shepherd of the flock. But the emphasis in this passage is that he is mine, that it's personal. If you just look through these six verses, the first person singular pronouns that are there, they're Fifteen of them in the English translation, just in six verses. It's personal. God doesn't merely care for his flock as a whole, but not the individual sheep within. He personally cares for each of the sheep who belong to his flock. And so each of us can testify to that in our own lives. That we can experience that, and we can know personally his personal care for us. But even though it's known known as the Shepherd psalm, that's not the only metaphor that's used. He's not only my shepherd, but he's also my host. See that in the last two verses. So those are the two pictures we're going to be looking at this morning as we go through this psalm. A little bit more on the shepherd, because it takes up more of the passage. And then him as our host. So the big idea is this, that you can have confidence in God's provision and protection, because he is with you as your good shepherd and your generous host. So first, you can have confidence in God's provision and protection because he is with you as your good shepherd. Look at me at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. So shepherds or shepherding is a little different than most of our occupations. Um, you don't clock in, you don't clock out, you don't get to go home at the end of the day. They're out there with their sheep 24-7. They're there. They know them. They're watching over them. They're protecting them. They're making sure they have food and water. They're bringing back ones that wander off. They're caring for those that are hurt. So to say that he is my shepherd acknowledges his responsibility toward me in this. That that's the role he is to play that he is the one to care for me. And the Bible doesn't invent this metaphor. It was a common metaphor in the ancient Near East, talking about kings or different gods that would be referred to as the shepherd of their people. But here it's personalized, it's honed in on the Lord. You see that Lord all caps, it's Yahweh, the personal name for the God of the Bible. So one commentator notes, to profess the Lord is my shepherd is to declare one's loyalty to God an intention to live under God's reign. Not just any God is my king, the Lord is my shepherd king. I am subject to him. I depend utterly on him. I wish to obey his will and live totally for him. To call him your shepherd is to profess your allegiance to him. And because of who this shepherd king is, because he is the Lord, I shall not want doesn't mean you get everything you want right that's not what the word means it's not desire like we think of want usually I want this I want that no it means that I won't lack anything that would be for my good I will have no lack David uses the same word here that Moses used in Deuteronomy 2 7 after talking about the wilderness wanderings where he says these 40 years the Lord your God has been with you you have lacked nothing I doubt they would say in those 40 years of wandering the wilderness, they had everything they wanted. (laughs) But they did not lack. And even there, his presence is tied to his provision. You see that? Lord your God has been with you. He was with them, leading them, protecting them from their enemies, providing food and water for them in miraculous ways. You remember the manna that came down from heaven or the birds that he would send their way or uh, water coming out of rocks, things like that. He provides and he protects. So, what we see in verses two to four, this song shows us what it's like to have the Lord as our shepherd, what it's like to lack nothing, what it's like to be safe in his care. The song illustrates it for us. I don't have to come up with as many illustrations because it's already in there. So it's a win. As he goes through, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So even with the lack of rain we've had things stay relatively green around here it's not really the case over there last august i uh, went to austin texas and was in a wedding and one thing that struck me besides the fact that you don't want to be in a full black tux in august in austin in an outside wedding is uh how brown everything is it is not green That's more what people would expect. Not a lot of green grassy pastures in the wilderness. The shepherd would have to find them. He would have to know where they are. He would have to lead his flock there. And that's what he does. He makes them lie down. But another thing about sheep is they don't just like to lie down, they can be ornery little things. If they're not full, they won't lie down. If they're afraid at all, and they're skittish, They're afraid at all. They won't lie down. So in this picture, he makes them lie down. He's totally provided for them. They're full. They're protected. They're safe. This is what the Lord does for you. He leads me beside still waters, not rushing waters that would be harder to drink from, or these uh, torrents that would just come up in these ravines and could wash sheep away or they can get lost and drown in it but it's still water that they can walk up to and safely drink that they know they'll be refreshed he restores my soul he renews me he revives me he restores vitality to me um, I'm not very good at taking care of plants you've probably heard that a couple times now but we have a couple hydrangeas that we planted last year, and I don't water them, right? So uh, on a hot, dry day, they look pretty pathetic. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They're limp, soft, all flat, droopy. And then I'm like, oh, I should probably water them. So I do, and every time it amazes me, you water them, and like 30 minutes later, it doesn't even take a long time, they pop back up restored it's kind of what it's like here it's amazing how God's creation works how he's designed it and that's what it's like with us when we're with him he restores us he breathes life back into us he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake it has kind of a double meaning for the sheep it's right paths I think that's the ESB margin note on how it could be translated Um, You can imagine the hilly, arid countryside. They're out there, and there are different paths going different directions, crisscrossing, forks in the road, decisions to be made. But this shepherd is no amateur. He takes the right paths. He's not getting you lost. He's not guessing. He's not hoping for the best. He knows where he's going, and he's leading. He's guiding you there. And for us, as personified sheep, his word leads us in right paths, in paths of righteousness. One person puts it like this The paths in which God leads his faithful are their lives' basic moral direction toward righteousness, seen here as a blessing, not as a burden, how often we view it. And God does this for his name's sake, that is, in order to preserve his reputation for being true to his revealed character. But he says you can bank on how he has revealed himself to be is how he will be so you kind of put all these together and you see this idea of total provision in his presence he meets your needs he makes you safe he breathes life into you he perfectly guides you where you need to go you lack nothing he cares for you he takes care of you he's the one doing this the whole passage don't do anything. Do you know God as your shepherd who does this for you? Or do you view him differently? This is who he says he is. This is who he will be for you if you will cling to him by faith. If you look at verse 4, notice this shift. It goes from this talking about what the Lord does, third person, to speaking to him, second person, from rehearsing what God does for me to proclaiming my own confidence to him. What does it say? Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's no incompatibility with God meeting all of our needs, with him filling us, with him giving us rest, with him restoring us to then us facing difficulties. I think we often think that sometimes. I think we're told that sometimes. If we trust in Jesus, life will get easy. All those problems will go away. He'll fix it. not how it works. This actually comes right after him leading us in right paths. (laughs) You know what that means? Even right paths lead to places of darkness and danger. The right paths lead us into difficulty. This passage is often applied to those who are facing death. That makes sense. It's a good application, a good use for it. But it doesn't have to be quite that extreme either. It's this valley of deep darkness. A shepherd taking his sheep through this dark ravine where you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know if there are bandits or wild animals kind of taking your life into your own hands, going through it. It's a time of danger. If you think of the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's what kind of happens when you travel. You're taking risks because you don't know what's going to be out there. Yet this psalm expresses complete confidence in the shepherd. Why? It says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's interesting that phrase, you are with me, is exactly in the center of this psalm. 26 Hebrew words before, 26 Hebrew words after. I'm not a numerologist. Some people say "Yahweh means 26,2. I'm not going to read that much into it. Do what you want with that. But it is smack dab in the middle of this. And it's also this central theme. You are with me. It's what gives him confidence the only thing that gives us confidence. No matter what you face, you can have confidence in God's provision and protection because He is with you. Because He is your good shepherd. We don't have to leave it out in this ethereal realm either though. We see it happen in history. We can bank on it. This is what we heard in our assurance of pardon. This is from John 10. Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd. Probably has Ezekiel 34 most prominently in mind when he says that. Those echo Psalm 23 in many ways that he cares for his sheep. Not only does he walk with them through dark valleys at the risk of his life, but he does so at the cost of his life. It's not hypothetical. He willingly took it. So he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Brothers and sisters, you have nothing to fear. You can have full confidence and trust in the Lord because Jesus has faced your greatest enemies. That he has faced sin and death and he has conquered them in his crucifixion and resurrection. He has laid down his life for you and he has taken it back up again. No one takes it from him, but he has offered it of his own accord. You have nothing to fear. He is with you always. What are you facing or what are you afraid of that might cause that faith to falter? That might cause that trust to lapse? Admit that you're a sheep. You can't handle it on your own. You're helpless. And trust Jesus, the good shepherd who is with you. So we see all of these characteristics of Jesus in the New Testament, that he feeds you. Fun fact, besides the resurrection, the only miracle recorded in all four gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. He literally fed people. With 12 baskets left over. Abundantly. He does now, spiritually. He says, I am the bread of life. He gives us rest. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He satisfies our thirst. He tells the woman at the well that he is living water, and whoever drinks of him will never thirst. He gives life. So we heard in our assurance of pardon right before he says he's the good shepherd I came that my sheep may have life and have it abundantly he is Emmanuel, God with us and he ascended into heaven that he might send his spirit to live in you until he comes again and sets all things right friends he provides for you and he protects you Whatever darkness or valley you are facing, you need not fear, for he is with you. If he has done this, not at the risk, but at the cost of his life, and showed his power over death by rising again, what do you have to fear? Have confidence in God's provision and protection, because he is with you as your good shepherd. Not only that, but you can have confidence in God's provision and protection because He is with you as your generous host. Notice the shift in imagery in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now you're not a sheep, you're a guest. He actually elevates you it's even more intimate than the shepherd sheep relationship he's actually brought you into his house under his own roof at his own table where it's listed that he does some of these same things but now it's person to person he still protects you when you come under someone's house uh, someone under someone's roof as a guest you'd come under their protection if you think of uh, lot in Genesis 19 where the angels come and visit he protects them the people come knocking on the door he says no way you're not having them they're my guests you still have enemies it's in the presence of the enemies but you are safe from them you are under God's protection and like before, we see the abundance of the host's provision. You anoint my head with oil. It's not the typical word for anoint, um, where we get Messiah or anointed one. It's a different word that actually kind of means fat, that you put oil on their head, that you'd slather it on them. But when a guest would come in, you would anoint them with this oil that would usually be scented, that would smell good. And people back then didn't smell so good. And you'd put this on them. actually one of the critiques Jesus gives to one of the Pharisees in Luke 7 when the woman comes in and breaks the alabaster jar and uh, washes his feet with her tears and with her hair and anoints his feet with this ointment. that's what he says when the Pharisees judging Jesus, Jesus points out that his host gave him no kiss and did not anoint his head with oil. that the Pharisee was stingy with Jesus. And he didn't actually love Jesus. But That's not how God is with you. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. He provides for you abundantly. He fills it to the brim, even running over. He's not holding back. not a wine sampling where he's trying to get you to buy some more later. And he's not bringing out the winking owl from Aldi. No offense to you winking owl drinkers. He brings the good stuff. He opens his cellars. Take and drink. He's generous. All this abundance. Imagine sitting there just enjoying this. Relaxed at table, smiling, talking while your enemies are there watching but can do nothing. While they look on, they are helpless to stop it because our God is with us. This is who our God is. He lavishes us with good things in His presence because He is good. Verse six switches back to the third person again. It says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Mercy, there's the Hebrew word um, hesed, which is steadfast love. It's Sally Lloyd Jones, never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love of God. It's pursuing us. That's the word Follows. It's not trailing behind. It's chasing us. Goodness and love are chasing us. When you think of the enemies standing there before who should be the pursuers, who we think of as the pursuers, that's who we're afraid of. But actually goodness and love are chasing after us. All our lives. We will live with God forever. We will dwell in his house. No longer guests, but family. You can have confidence in God's provision and protection because he is with you as your generous host. This life isn't easy. We all face danger and hardships. The song is realistic about that. We don't have to ignore those things. But we can know and celebrate God's care even in the face of those things. They're real, but God is bigger than them. And we can live confidently knowing that nothing will separate us from God and his goodness. And we can say with Paul that we are sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is with us. He is our good shepherd and our generous host. Have confidence in him because he is with you.